Our gospel for today comes from Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, and show difference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I heard this story in college. There was a Christian group that traveled to a country in Africa with the mission of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They came to a village where people lived simple lives. They cooked over a fire in the middle of the town. They had no indoor plumbing or running water. They had to fetch water from a nearby creek to use for cooking and bathing. They didn't have chairs to sit on or tables to eat at. Upon experiencing this, the Christians felt the need to help them and make their lives better. They went back to their church and raised enough money to build a community center with plumbing from a local well, a nice kitchen with several burning stoves and ovens where they could cook, and cafeteria-style tables and benches to sit on. A year later, the group came back to see how things were going and discovered the community center was untouched. Everything was brand new. They found that the women still cooked over a fire in the middle of the town. The people still brought water in from the creek. They still sat on the ground when they ate and gathered together. The people never used the community center because they never needed it or wanted it. The simple life that they led was a part of their culture and who they were. Many of you have probably heard stories like this one. Stories where Christians in their arrogance naively assume that they know what's best for the people that they visit. Forcing their own worldview on someone else. Assuming they are helping, that they are bringing God or Christ to people who haven't heard about Jesus But I can assure you, God was there long before they ever arrived. The people know what they need and want. And they have just as much, if not more, to teach us about God as we have to teach them. That is, if we take the time to listen and learn. To try to see and understand things from a different perspective. To broaden our own worldview and understanding of God to include different possibilities and ways of thinking. That is what spoke to me in our scripture lessons this week. Our Old Testament lesson brings a unique perspective to God's story through the eyes of the people of Israel. We are introduced to an anointed ruler, Cyrus, 
whom God has chosen to work through in order to bring the people of Israel out of exile and restore the rights of Israel to worship and lead lives according to their own beliefs. Now, this may seem like any other story about an anointed king through whom God chooses to work to lead the people of Israel. But here's the kicker. Cyrus was not a king of Israel. Cyrus was a Persian emperor, a foreign leader who conquered Babylon around 539 BCE, whom God chose to work through to liberate the exiled Israelites. What's more, Cyrus and his people believed in, worshipped, and served many gods. God couldn't have chosen a ruler more contrary to the beliefs and culture of the people of Israel, who were told numerous times by God that they should only worship the one true God, eat specific foods, and be a people who are different, who are countercultural to the surrounding kingdoms and cultures. And yet here, God calls Cyrus his anointed which means Messiah in Hebrew, the Savior, so to speak. God chose to work through Cyrus, which would have completely altered their worldview and understanding of who God was. This same idea of challenging the worldview of God's people and culture in which they lived is, as we know, something Jesus loved to do. Jesus loved to stir up trouble, ask questions that really made people think about things in a very different way. In fact, everything about Jesus, how he lived, what he taught, who he interacted with, challenged the worldview of rulers and the Jewish culture and society. Today's gospel story is no exception. Some of the religious leaders, along with other supporters of King Herod, the Herodians, who felt threatened by this alternate worldview that Jesus was providing, came to Jesus to try and trap him into saying or doing something he shouldn't to give them the excuse to arrest him, or at the very least try to lessen his authority and popularity with the people. So they first pretended to show him respect, talking about how open-minded he is, welcoming everyone, showing no partiality. When I imagine this scene, I have to uh, admit that I think of these comments as being like backhanded compliments if you've ever received those. Oh, Jesus, you're such a great teacher for a lowly Jew with no wealth or status. It is so nice how you try to include everybody and interpret scripture in such a unique way. Bless your heart. Right? Then they ask Jesus a question that they think will get Jesus into trouble no matter what he answers. Either Jesus says no, thereby making him an enemy of the Roman Empire and able to be arrested for treason, or Jesus says yes, which would anger traditional Jews who took the command of having no idols and no other gods to heart and believed that they were supposed to avoid images, especially ones that were used as imperial propaganda on coins that claimed that emperor, Caesar Augustus, was a god. In fact, a few years earlier, Jerusalemites told Pilate that they would rather die than allow imperial standards bearing Jesus or Caesar's image into the city. As you can imagine, that didn't go over very well. And not surprisingly, the taxes they paid only went to support the elite and wealthy, not those most in need. It's interesting that we still struggle with taxes today. That's on every single ballot, as those have come out already as well. So these elite think they've got Jesus trapped. 
They can't fathom any other answer or idea that would include everyone and get him out of this mess. Their worldview is just that small, thinking that they know everything and have nothing to learn from Jesus. But of course, Jesus challenges this worldview once again, provoking an answer, or providing, excuse me, providing an answer that no one else even thought of. He asks them to pull out a coin that they use to pay the tax, asks them whose image is on it, to which they reply, well, the emperor. To which Jesus replies, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God. Now with this reply, Jesus actually does two things here. First, he makes the distinction that Caesar is not God, especially not the one the Jews worship. And second, he insinuates that the emperor can have all the wealth in the world, that which bears the emperor's image. But he will never have what belongs to God and bears God's image, us, the people, humanity, in all its beautiful and various cultures and worldviews. As Christians, I admit, it can be easy sometimes for us to become complacent in the ways that we do and understand things, believing that we're right and everyone else is wrong. In fact, upon hearing the story of the Christian ministries or missionaries at the beginning, I bet some of you, like myself a while back, thought, well, thank God we're not like that. Thank God we don't make those assumptions here. Thank God we're not like those Christians. And yet, look around the room here today. What do you see? Who do you see? And who do you not see? Which groups, people, cultures, worldviews are not represented here today? Who are we as a community serving well? And who could we serve better? It's easy to become complacent because we are comfortable with the worldview in which we live. I know I am. I am guilty of taking things for granted, for not challenging myself enough, because I don't want my worldview to change. It's too hard. And yet that is exactly what Jesus did in the world, culture, and time in which Jesus lived. He continually challenged the people's worldview. And I do believe that that is what God is still calling us to do today, to challenge our own worldviews and think more broadly about the kingdom of God, to listen and learn from those who are not Lutheran, who maybe didn't grow up Christian, who are maybe outside of a European Lutheran worldview. Last Sunday, Vance Blackfox shared with us just a glimpse of his worldview and introduced a wonderful, insightful alternative to the gospel that I had never heard before, and I absolutely love it. This Wednesday, Danielle Dadashi, who I asked permission to say her name in in the sermon today, she will be leading our Way to Lift class and speaking from her worldview as an Iranian Christian about how people in the Middle East view and understand Christ and Christianity differently than we do here in the United States. Our BIPOC, which by the way stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, if you've never known that, that's a, a tough one, but our BIPOC art group puts a lot of thought into finding and displaying new art pieces that will challenge our worldview and create discussion around how we can think differently about 
who God is and how God works in and through different ethnicities, cultures, and perspectives. Check out our art on the wall over here today or outside on the welcome kiosk. Read a little bit about those people who have created those artworks. Now this is not to say at all that we do not have gifts or important stories to share. Nor does it mean that we aren't serving the community in which we are a part of well. There are a lot of wonderful ministries, as you all know, that Holy Spirit offers and supports music and worship, feeding and housing ministries, children, youth, and family ministries, social justice ministries, and especially the quilting ministry, which is so evident in our sanctuary today. Our voice and what we do here in our community are important and deserve to be heard. Absolutely. I would not be here if I believed otherwise. But I also believe and know that God is much bigger than we can possibly imagine, than we can possibly understand. And as uncomfortable as it may be, Jesus calls us to continually challenge our own worldview and our understanding of what it means to be a Christian in the world, what it means to be a Lutheran in the world, so that we may serve the world even better as people who are created in the image of God. Amen.